Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining us again on the John Hallett Podcast. Today, I've got Pete Verishai on with me, and we're talking about self-defense. We're talking about firearms. I think it's going to be super interesting. I met him at the Try by Fire in Las Vegas with Pramaga Alliance. So thanks for joining us today. Hey, thanks for having me, man. This is cool. Yeah, cool. Um, you know, I knew right away that I'm like, oh, I've got to get him on my podcast. Um, <laughs> super you. interesting. I thought you, you know, ran a great course, really concise, safe, you know, especially when we're dealing with firearms. That's always a big thing. So thank you. you know, it's, um, I think it was great. And I'm looking forward to training with you again next year, but uh, at the trial by fire. Um, but we're going to have you out here in March for all our instructors. So we're looking forward to that. So I'm looking forward to be there too. So tell us a little bit about you and how you got started in this whole realm. Okay. Uh, well, um, I, you know, I've always kind of been into, to martial arts. Uh, I grew up in the city. Um, and then, uh, you know, my family moved us out, like just outside the city of Detroit. And uh, me and my brother were always into martial arts. It was basically the movies probably grew up the same, same movies as you. Jean-Claude Van Damme was like my hero. Um, yeah. I, tr you know, my parents took me to karate, but uh, it, it was really cost prohibitive. Uh, so they, they weren't able to, to continue, but uh, the, the, the love stayed. So me and my brother, you know, we still continue to practice our moves and um, you know, growing up, we had a special relationship with violence based off our neighborhood. And we would always, you know, try to box people, right? We like, we, we bought boxing gloves and we would invite people over to the backyard or the basement and we would, we would box them. And we, we just enjoyed fighting. Um, and, and then, you know, we kind of got out of that. I don't know, you know, adolescence hit or teenage hit and we just kind of stopped. And, um, you know, I owned a party store for a while. Um, when I, when I was, a, a you know, about 20 years old, I, I, I bought a party store with my twin brother and, uh, you know, that was kind of cool, but I, I didn't see myself doing it all the time. Like there was some, some hairy situations there that I just didn't feel comfortable with, um, you know, felt I was unprepared to deal with. Um, so I, I went to the store and I bought a rifle. Um, black people don't know this, but I didn't come from the martial arts world. I actually, um, martial arts was secondary to firearms for me. So I picked up this rifle and uh, I went to learn how to shoot it. And I really couldn't do anything with it. Uh, I actually was shooting the roof of the shooting range. I was so bad. Oh my gosh. <laughs> uh, they, they came in yelling at me. And uh, one of the guys that was yelling was like, Hey man, you're, you know, you should really learn how to shoot that thing. <laughs> I was like, well, <laughs> stop yelling at me and teach me, you know? Uh, so he, uh, you know, this guy named John, his name was John Hatfield, and he, he was an instructor there apparently. And, and he, he showed me how to run the rifle, um, kind of took me, took me under his, his wing, I guess one would say. And every time I went to the range, he would be there and kind of give me some tips and tricks. Uh, him and I kind of formed a, a pretty good friendship. He eventually, uh, asked me if I would, uh, run a private session for one of his students that he couldn't make it to. Right. So, you know, I was nervous as you can get. And I was like, I, I can't teach anybody this. So he was super confident in me. And, and, uh, the, after the, the session ended, uh, his client reached out to him and said, Hey, you know, I really like working with Pete. Can I, can I see him again? And, uh, that kind of sparked an interest that maybe, you know, I could, I could actually do this. So I sold my party stores. I just wasn't into it anymore. Uh, and, and kind of just got right into shooting and started practicing and practicing. I ended up managing the shooting range I was practicing at. They saw me there so much. Um, uh, I, you know, they actually asked if I would teach concealed carry classes. So they went and sent me to get certified to do that. 
once I became certified teaches concealed care, super basic. Um, I don't know if you guys have classes like the NRA concealed carry classes up there. Yeah. Super basic. I felt like, you know, it was, uh, it was super basic class. I think, I, you know, I was like, I could do this pretty good. And, you know, so I started teaching these concealed carry classes, but I, the, I was kind of thirsty for more knowledge. You know, I wanted to learn, uh, you know, the gunfighting part. So I went and trained with all like the good instructors around uh, Michigan. And then when, you know, I learned what I could here, I started traveling out to different states and training with, you know, some of like the great instructors that, that I could find. Um, so that was, that was amazing. That was kind of like my, my, my path to get into the deep, the deep instruction uh, for firearms. I started competing uh, and reached uh, master class as a USPSA uh, competitive shooter. Um, I did that basically to up my resume as a teacher. Um, you know, there was, uh, you know, certain classes of instructors and I, I, I fit into the, to the one that, you know, was a competitive shooter uh, where others were fitting into like the military roles or the police officer roles. Um, I just wasn't a kid who, you know, knew how to shoot and, you know, understood a little bit about violence. So uh, people wanted to come in and, and learn from me. Uh, and, and I just continued that. And then right around 2015, I got a call from uh, the U.S. Army, um, which was the weirdest call I've ever got in my life. I thought they were actually recruiting me at 31 years old. And uh, I was kind of shocked by it. Right. I'm like, when yeah. I'm on the phone with the dude, he's like, wow, he's talking to me about training. And I'm like, are you recruiting or asking me for, for training? And he, that's what he said. He said, we're, we were asked to, to bring you out to Fort Bragg and teach uh, some hand to hand combat and some rifle work. Uh, so in 2016, uh, I went down with a group of instructors and we spent two weeks teaching the army. Um, and, and pretty much after that, it, it all kind of went, you know, rolling forward. Everybody wanted to find out yeah. why this this, this guy from Shelby Township, Michigan wanted, you know, was, was teaching the army. So uh, yeah. that was kind of, kind of that, that path. So, yeah. So that really and, uh, kind of kicked things off. It was cool, man. It was one of the best experiences of my life. Uh, you know, uh, being able to teach those guys, you know, there was, there were so many people that were, I thought better than me at this, that could have been doing this, but they wanted uh, my perspective, which I thought was an honor. Um, and uh, I had taken up Krav Maga um, just to kind of round round out my skill sets uh, a couple of years earlier uh, to which I had went to instructor certification through Krav Maga worldwide um, right around that time as well. Um, and, and then that pretty much did that full time. I, I taught shooting at my shooting range in, here in Michigan. And I was uh, uh, one of the lead instructors at, uh, at Krav Maga Detroit for about six years. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Familiar with those guys. Good group. Yeah. Yeah. That's Pavel's awesome. a good dude. Yeah. I like him a lot. Um, and now you have your own gym for I do. Maga? I, I do. We, uh, you know, about two years ago, three years ago, I, uh, once I, once I, re, you know, achieved black belt, um, you know, I, I was training with, um, new way martial arts as well. They're, you know, they're mixed martial arts Academy and, uh, you know, they're much closer to my house. They offered, they asked if I would, and offered actually, if I would run a little program, self-defense program there, uh, to which, you know, I was stoked on because I was already training and fighting out of the place. Um, so, you know, I started a little program there that kind of grew pretty quick. Uh, we, we ran out of space and time, um, you know, time slots in that location. So I, I have eventually just leased uh, some small space uh, really close by. And uh, yeah, we're actually here now. It's been about a year and a half since we've been in our own location. And, you know, our program has been kind of, kind of, uh, kind of wild here, man. You know, like we, we're, we're about 
maybe 50% Krav Maga, uh, 40% integrative defensive strategies, and 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 the rest is uh, boxing, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu based. Yeah, well, that's a good split. It's always good to be diverse, is what I think. Of you know, I, you know, I agree. Have other things at your gym that you know can bring other people in, and sometimes they find uh, something else that they weren't initially interested in. So mm-hmm. I think it's, I, I think it's good I agree. to be well-rounded with whether whatever it is, fitness or something else that just brings in different people into your gym. So it's always a good thing. So that's awesome. awesome. That's great. Thank you. Um, so I really like to see somebody get started and, you know, open up their own place and move, you know, get better and better. That's always great to see, you know, I'm like I still see a guy on Instagram, haven't talked to him in a while that he was one of my original Krav Maga students and he's still back on Nantucket Jules. Um, back on Nantucket teaching, you know, martial arts and Krav Maga. After, I mean, I knew him when he was a little kid and it's awesome. awesome. See people, you know, do it and, and, and further people and try to empower people with all these skills. I think any martial art self-defense system is always great to see people doing and giving back to our local community. I think we need more of it. So, or more people to get off their butt and then would everybody would be busting at the seams because I think more people should know how to defend themselves, should know how to use a firearm. Um, it should just be a you know basic life skill. I think it's just a shame that so many people look at at look at it in a negative light. And you know, I know a guy here locally that his wife doesn't like to say he owns a firearm store. Sure, you know, sure. Because so many people, you know, have this negative feeling about it. It's like mm-hmm. it's like any other tool. So an axe, I a skill set. I also think part of it, you know, um, you know, is also that uh, self-awareness, right? A lot of people, you know, Tony and I had this small conversation. He said, if uh, people knew that they needed self-defense training, we'd have waiting lists and lines out our door. Um, you know, I, I tend to believe a lot of people think that they'll just figure it out when it happens. And they're yes. over, they overestimate their level of fighting abilities uh, without training. Um, and I think that's, that's a big thing. Uh, and that's something that we try to change and, um, you know, try to fix, try to fix around here. Yeah. I think it's in, I, I forget who, who was talking about it. It might've been Joe Rogan or this, uh, Andrew Huberman talking about, it's like an innate in males that they just, part of their self-worth, their whole self-esteem is they feel like they can defend themselves and their family. And they're going to figure it out and you, you need training. I'm like, it just blows me away that guys like, I know how to fight. And I'm like, you haven't been in a fight in 20 years, man. I feel like I miss a a week of training and I feel like crap and feel rusty and slow. And you're like, you haven't done anything in 20 years. You have no skill to fall back on. And so many guys I feel like are just fooling themselves. I I agree. Nobody wants to learn how to play the game on game day, right? Yeah, (laughs) yeah, exactly. (laughs) At least we don't, right? We'd rather, we'd rather, you know, prepare for the game. And then when it comes time to play, we at least, uh, we at least have the skill sets behind us. Yeah. Have some training behind you because mm-hmm. you know, anybody mm-hmm. on any given day can, it can be your last day, but I certainly want to be training hard so I don't go out that way and I can have the best odds. If, you know, God forbid that day ever happens that you're fighting for your life. You want to have that training and those skills. And I think that's where, you know, that firearm training and some of the stuff you do, I'm really interested in that, you know, weapons-based grappling. And I think, so many concealed carry holders just have this, I have a gun or, you know, women, I'll pepper spray. And I'm like, seriously, I'm like false confidence. It just blows me away 
when people talk that that way. I'm like, and it's not always the right tool for the job. How do you feel about people carrying? Um, I mean, it's you know we we tend to call that the Dunning Kruger effect, right? People tend to uh, you know have a have a bias and overestimate their skill sets, especially when they have a low set of skills. Um, I you know if you carry a gun, you, you have to learn how to use it. I mean, I, I, I've been in this business now 12 years and I can't tell you how many people tell me the same thing. Like I'll just run or I'll just use my gun. And I'll, yeah. I oft, I'll often ask them a question like this, how much are you sprinting and how much are you training with your firearm? And they'll often say, well, I don't have to practice running. Oh, but you do. Uh, if, <laughs> if you've never ran before and you think that you're going to turn into Usain Bolt when you see a blade, um, you're just going to trip fall and make the guy with the knife angry for chasing you. Um, yeah. So it, it, I, again, for me, I, I think that if you carry a gun or, you know, again, all self-defense, um, if you, especially if you carry a gun, you have to be able to keep it right. We talked uh, during, during class in Vegas, most, most fights are starting with hands on. Right. And, and if somebody, you know, puts their hands on you, there's a chance that they might discover you have a gun. You might get scared and decide to pull that gun. And if you can't keep it, um, now you're responsible for a gun in the middle of a fight um, that could be used against you or against somebody else. So, uh, but again, most people, you know, they, they have a gun and that's all I need. Just, I just, I just can pull it out and shoot somebody. But, uh, you know, I'm a firm believer that self-defense happens way before you ever need to touch anybody or, or shoot them. Um, yeah. but you can't tell people that because we're mostly, we mostly learn by the movies. Most people see violence and they're like, Oh, the good guy will often just get his gun out, defend himself, his family, and then everything is going to be okay after he gets, he gets everything he's ever wanted. And that's rarely ever the case. Yeah. It, and those situations just happen so fast or, you know, people just, you know, you kind of get sucker punched, you know, something, you know, weird. you just, it just happens in a blink of an eye and having some reaction, mm. you need it. I mean, yep. goodness, like uh, it, it, it happens. I think my stepson just got in a scrap at school with, you know, a kid and he's like, just kind of BS this kind of stuff, like saying stuff about him on social media. And he thought they were kind of joking around and, you know, cause they play football together. And he said, the kids started chasing me around the, the weight room. And uh, all of a sudden, like, I stop I, and he freaking hit me. He's like, hmm. I thought we were fooling around. You know, I thought it was all like kind of good natured, you know, boys being boys. And he's like, so, you know, he's got some wrestling background. He's done a tiny, tiny bit of Krav Maga when he was a kid. You know, he's like, I punched him and threw him out on the ground. And that was pretty all much right. the end of it. But you're like, stuff happens in a blink of an eye. And it always just amazes me that, you know, I have pepper spray, I have a gun and I'm just like, dude, if I just pounce on you right now, you're not, you're not accessing that firearm or that pepper <laughs> right. spray. They're, um, they're basically just holding it for two, for you until you want it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like <laughs> I can pretty much take it if I really wanted to and a determined attacker. Right. I mean, I think, I don't know what this stat is now, but I mean, it was, you know, somewhere in the 80% of law enforcement losing their firearm in a, in a fight, in a, altercation that that firearms being used against them and they're trained or they have, mm -hmm. you know, weapon retention holster, you know, it's, and it still you know, gets people, taken. It still gets taken, you know, or they thought they needed to use that firearm and it wasn't quite the time because they were still in that hand to hand combat kind of zone and they get a hand on it. That's, you know, I just posted a video of my manager uh, losing a, a concealed carry knife in hmm. 
situation, you know, and she hated it. But I'm like, I think it's good. It shows people like it's real. Like it's not so easy to draw a weapon. And this has got a retention ring on it. You know, I mean, it's it's easier than most to to draw, but you know, you got to practice it. I'm like, you can't just say you're going to pull it out in a fight if you don't practice. Right. So. Right. You know, and again, with, when it comes to blades in and in a, in a weapons based grappling environment, I mean, you know, I, I, we roll with weapons all the time and I can't tell you how many times, you know, we stabbed ourselves. You know what I mean? Like just, just in that tussle and you end up with, with, with a, with a blade in your leg, uh, part of it you know what i mean but yeah, you know it's part of the training, part of the part of the the, the 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 learning process and the exploration but most people don't want to explore that because it's not you know it's not the, the sexy part of training right it's the that's the ugly part and and my yeah. instructor todd todd fossey would would say all the time and i still quote him he says train ugly you know train to mess up train to fail you know um again he said to me where where there's failure there's feedback right you can learn by getting just like you said, you know, the concealed carry knife taken away, you figure out what you did wrong, what you can do to fix it, and uh, go from there. Yeah, I'm like, failure is a good thing. I mean, I think people like hate that. I'm like, it's good, good. We should be failing in the gym, fail, 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 so we succeed when it, you know, hopefully counts and increase those odds of having those experiences. That, yep, that wasn't the right move. Whatever happened to you, and all those scenarios, they're just fantastic. I think you know, mm -hmm. people are afraid. To, I mean, that's another whole society thing of people being afraid to fail or start i'm like who cares mm -hmm. Try. like you know some of those ones are just forcing the situation i've got some good video of our staff like instructors just you know just force the scenario force it like yeah let's just put ourselves in bad you know like train ugly put ourselves in a bad spot and see what the heck happens and deal with it and, and go from there and don't mm -hmm. be afraid to, to mess up who cares like mess that's up the most here. You mess up at, again, where there's failure, there's feet. That's how you learn. You know, if you do everything perfect all the time, how much are you actually learning, right? You're pretty much just doing the repetitions. If you're not failing, you probably should be. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, I tell people, I'm like, I don't want to be great all the time. I'm like, push me. I want to fail. Like, I want to mess mm -hmm. up. Like, I want to, like, push me harder. I'm like, do it harder. I'm like, yep. let's do it again. That was, You were being too easy on me. Yep. Do it harder. Yep. Like, let's make this a challenge. I don't want it to be perfect and like glorious. Like that so many, you know, martial arts or people can be, they don't want to fail. They just want to be pictured in good light. And I think it's a great thing to, to mess up and fail and have bad things happen to you. And you just get better I agree. from it. I've had my own students during weapons-based grappling, take the gun right off my hip. Right. Yeah. yeah. I, I give them a slap and a bump and I'm like, all right, sick. Now I'm going to try to take yours twice. Right. Like, that's that's the point i get what did i mess up did i not have my hand in the proper spot was my timing off right you know did i not manage the distance right so i, I get to i get to learn too and that's i think yeah. that's key i think i think if teachers forget to learn um then then they're pretty much just just regurgitating yeah or just that failure i think you know with with some instructors to fail to look bad and i'm like yeah. i'm like you could knock me out in sparring and tap me out i'm not afraid to get tapped out or doesn't hurt my ego. I'm like, good. I like to see people get better. I'm like, yeah. that's great. I mean, I'm like, I'd rather be the lowest guy in the totem pole. I, you know, when I started a gym, it was just kind of, I, I couldn't find what I was looking for. And I went out and got the training and people wanted to train with me, but I'm like, gosh, I just want to train. I'm like, I'm with I'd, you. Be the, I'd be the lowest guy. I just had a little tiny teenager in class. I'm like, guys, I want you to be respectful or I'm coming down on you or somebody else in the gym will. But you know, I looked at him like I, 
we want to be training safe here. I don't need any of these bigger guys, teenagers hurting you. But I'm like, I'd rather be on your shoes than these bigger guys because you're you're dealing with bigger people. That's much better for you. Absolutely. You know, somebody your own size. I mean, that's why I like grappling with bigger guys because then you get somebody my size. And I'm like, goodness, this is great. They make it easy. Right. Pounds, I'm like, this feels like nothing. I'd rather. Yeah, right. I just dealt with Goliath. I can deal with you now. Yeah, it seems a whole lot easier. So mm-hmm. I'm with you. Um, what do you do on a daily basis for your training? What's a daily, you know, what's a day in the life look like for you as a, you know, professional and just your personal training? Uh, so it's uh, pretty much um, the same every day uh, with minor changes. I'm very much uh, a creature of habit. And I, I, I pretty much do the same thing as far as training goes all the time. So I pretty much wake up every single morning as early as I possibly can, usually around six or seven. And I start my coffee machine, like I said, in class and I stick my cert pistol on my hip and I, I actually don't even loop a belt anymore. Uh, it's already all set up in my basement with the belt already on the pants. I just zip it up and, and, and start usually 10 minutes every single day. Um, from there, usually I'll, you know, start doing on some business stuff, you know, answering emails, talking to people, um, you know, posting for social media and whatnot. And uh, then I'll, I'll usually do some sort of uh, physical training, uh, whether it's weight, weightlifting, hit workout, um, uh, jogging. I like to go running a couple times a week. Uh, and then usually that's about an hour of my day. I have another couple hours where I'll usually run private lessons either here at the gym or at the shooting range. And then usually right around after mid afternoon, late afternoon, I every day I have to do at least a fighting session. So I either do weapons based grappling, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, boxing, or some of my weapons based or some of the Krav Maga weapons defenses. Um, so that has to be done. One of those has to be done every single day. Um, and then usually by the time six, seven o'clock rolls around, I'm back at the gym. Um, getting ready to teach classes till about nine o'clock. Yeah. Sounds, sounds familiar. I think that yeah. dedication <laughs> um, and that routine of that's what, you know, leads to success with people. It's, do yeah. a little bit every single day, a little bit every single day. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of Jocko and uh, you know, he's got this flag and it says discipline equals freedom. And I'm, I, I couldn't, uh, I couldn't believe that anymore. I, I tell people all the time, they're like, man, you wake up every day and run or box and get punched in the face. And, you know, I'm not in fight camp. I don't have any fights coming up right now, but I still go and I spar every single Tuesday morning at 10 o'clock. And I spar every single Saturday morning at nine o'clock with the boxing team from my MMA school. And I often tell my students, I'm like, that that's mundane. Like, I don't have that much fun getting punched in the face, but I know I have to do it because my punches and my timing and my range, my distance management when it comes to striking depends on that. Um, so I do it right. Um, you know, sometimes the dry fire 10 minutes every single morning can get mundane and sometimes you have to become creative to make it fun. And, you know, but I still refuse to not do it. I have a checklist actually in my phone that reminds me that I, if I, if I don't have it checked off by the end of the night, everything on this list, um, I make sure I stop what I'm doing and make sure I finish it. Um, but again, it's the discipline that, uh, that, that basically has kept me uh, moving forward with all of this. Yeah, I think that's so important. Um, I want to take a quick second and thank Rev Gear for sponsoring the podcast. They are your great supplier for 
everything you need, Krav Maga, Muay Thai, Jiu-Jitsu, MMA, and boxing. RevGear's winning formula of superior design and cutting-edge technology are the reason why world champions use RevGear. If you want to use our promo code, go to RevGear.com, and at checkout, use the promo code JHPODCAST10. If you're in the Douglas County area, stop in to Rocky Mountain Self-Defense and Fitness to get 15% off. So I really um, thank you for what you gave to us there. I'm like, it got me, you know, dry firing and doing something more consistent of adding that in to my routine that, you know, it's always seems like one more thing. I got to do one more thing to get better. One more thing. And, you know, I wasn't doing it consistent enough. So I've been trying to do that after my 6am classes wrap up and out of the gym. I try to, uh, before I go home and have my coffee, I try to do my dry fire um, training for at least five to 10 minutes just to get it in. And everyone like, you know, if one thing that came out of that course, I'm like, I'm more consistent with that. And I, you know, it's always hard to squeak something in, but you're like five or 10 minutes, you know, even two minutes, at least you did something for two at minutes. At least you did something. At least you did something, right? That's, that's key. You can't always, because again, you're a business owner too. You can't always get 30 minutes of training and sometimes five minutes will do, right? And 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 that's that's one of the most best things I've heard all week is that you're doing your your dry fire. Uh, uh, that for me is, is killer. I, I really appreciate knowing that, John. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I thank you. I think it was a great course. And, you know, just those reminders, that's why you go out and, you know, train as instructors and you know, further what you're doing and your knowledge base. And yeah, you know, you pick up something little here and there just to try to make it better, more well-rounded. You know, one of my latest routines is three days a week. I've been doing that cold plunge uh, stuff. And been, yeah, I hate cold. I hate cold water. Like I read the, the book, the comfort crisis and they had a, um, I forget the, um, what do they call it? The Japanese word um, for it. I'm going to blank on it now, but it's basically just like a yearly challenge, like do something that you don't think you can succeed at. I wanted to do a challenge with my family, um, but the kids said they couldn't stay up for 24 hours straight. Um, that they right. had to go to bed. I thought that was hysterical from a bunch of teenagers. <laughs> like, Oh, we got to go to bed. Oh, we're going to be tired. I'm like, yeah, but if there's a party or something else, like yeah, they, okay. won't, they won't be too tired they, for that. They kind of bailed out of it. And I was, you know, all this cold plunge stuff and, you know, looking at it on Andrew Huberman, I'm like, there's some really good benefits here and some good research. And I hate cold water. I think this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to try to challenge myself to stick with it for a year of doing what Huberman says, you know, three minutes or 12 minutes total a week. So I've been doing it three days a week and man, it's gotten hard now that it's in the, you know, in the sub zero temperatures outside. It was much easier in the summer but I hate cold water. So I'm like, it's been a mental challenge and, you know, just try to add to the discipline. Like, can I do something to make myself a little bit better? The recovery aspect, I think just trying to calm yourself. It's so much like fighting. Like I have so many guys that say they can't breathe when they're grappling. And I'm like, you know, a lot of people just panic with somebody else on top yeah. of them. You know, stand up fighting is totally different. Learning to calm yourself. And I've really noticed my breath in like, being under control in that cold water is just going down, 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 down. You know, like it used to take me longer sure. to calm down and get my breathing back. Now I can kind of, you know, it's around 15 seconds at best, like 30 seconds. I noticed I'm like, okay, hey, I'm really calm in that water. And I get to, I hate cold water. Like, <laughs> but I Matt. ease myself into it 
you know, I was doing bath water, you know, they're just out of the tap, the coldest it would come. And that's, that was horrible. I was like, this is freaking horrible. <laughs> I've been creeping it down, creeping it down to where we, you know, we made a homemade uh, cold plunge. Um, Cause I got sick of lugging uh, coolers of ice up the stairs into the, sure. into the tub. I just got a, you know, a, a, a Rubbermaid tub. I forget how many, I think it's like a hundred, 150 gallons and just bought a, uh, a little like it's a just a kind of aquarium chiller is I think really what it is some guy off of YouTube huh. here's the link and I'm like it's way better than making ice and freezing ice and lugging oh, it yeah. and you know trying to wait I'd have to wait for it to cool down and now it's taking me a ton of time in my day just to get the freaking ice bath ready and I'm like that thing's just ready sitting down in our basement storage room ready to ready to get in and nice and creeping it down creeping it down my wife you know kind of gets a little annoyed She's doing it with me. Um, you know, she hates it. <laughs> She's cold all the time in the winter, but I keep trying to creep it down, creep it down a little bit as we go here. And she's not too happy with me when I creep it down. I just try to creep it down. But <laughs> you know, like, she checks it every time with a with a, a thermostat. So I'm like, oh, crap. I would, hard. I'd be doing that too. Uh, you're a brave <laughs> yeah. man. You're a brave man. I, I respect I that, think- dude. Yeah, it's a good, it's been a good personal challenge, you know, was, you know, looking at, I wanted to, to hike, we've got a bunch of open space and rec trails behind my house. So I wanted to, you know, do some sort of body weight, you know, comparison for all the family, like whether it's going to be 20% or something of like, we're going to do a 24 hour hike around this loop that's in this open space. And my wife was into it, the kids were not into it. So I was like, I was trying to get them to do something, but so are you talking about like up 24 hours all night? Yeah, up to, yeah just do it, you know, up 20. Because I, God, I hate losing sleep and <laughs> all that stuff. And I was like, I think that would be a good personal challenge for me. I'm not, I'm like 10 o'clock. I want to be asleep. So I'm, I'm with like, you. I'm with <laughs> you. I, I did something similar years ago, almost 10 years ago now called the Go Ruck Challenge. Yeah. Yeah, that was six, 16 hours. Yeah, those look cool. I was looking at those around the same time, or I heard somebody talking about those. I'm like, that looks really interesting. I like that. Yeah. And this it was is really rough. good. Benefits. Yeah, I bet. Yeah, there's just even just good benefits of just, you know, adding that week, but, you know, walking for an hour or two hours a day, you know, or, or a week, you know, there's some good stuff there. Andrew Huberman, if you ever listen to his podcast, uh, Huberman Lab podcast, he's some, got some great stuff on there. And, good research and you know for fitness and just all around well right on he's he's a really good um guy i kind of heard him on joe rogan originally so he's got some good advice and good you know just get out there and hike it doesn't have to be killer you know it's just something get out and enjoy that go rock just go walk you know you're gonna get some good benefits when people just don't do crap it's like the self-defense like i'll just run i'm like you're gonna pull a hamstring you're like you're not in shape to run from that fight and i really think you know when you carry a weapon you should have other tools that you're in your toolbox it's you know you look at law enforcement you know drawing their weapon maybe too early i mean they've got a really tough job out there and right on there's other tools that you might need to use and especially in the light and day of you know 2022 here that it's crazy for those guys and they've got people looking down at them and everything they do but i think just day to day people need that skill i think it's a real disservice to carrying a firearm and not being able to defend yourself with other means because you can't just rely on that firearm you might end up just shooting somebody 
when you shouldn't have. I think that's you're, the scary you, thing. You are your own subject matter expert when it comes time for it, you know? So yeah. you gotta, you gotta be, I mean, if it comes time to run or you got, you know, if you have to hop a fence because there's an active shooter, right. Can you yeah. hop a fence? Right. Can you, even if, even if you're like, all you want to do is run away, you don't have, you don't have the tools to fight. Like, could you hop a fence? Right. That's yeah, could you do it? Yeah. right. Like I know people will often say, well, I'll just rise to the occasion. Um, and that's great. You know, you might be able to, but I don't know if that's, that's what I'm going to put my money on. Right. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I could talk about that all day long, but people, yeah. uh, hopefully with listening to podcasts, I mean, I think, you know, with, uh, you know, what we do, I think, you know, each one, we teach one, right? So if, if we just keep, keep chipping away at people, just keep chipping, keep chipping, whether it's, you know, one pe- person or, or, or a class of 75 people, um, we'll get there. Um, but it is just slow, right? The culture needs to change the culture around, you know, what people, what people do with their lives, as far as like what they put in their bodies and what they feel, um, you know, how, how to get healthy, uh, that needs to change. Um, Absolutely. You know, we're here to help, you know, but uh, again, Dunning-Kruger effect, right? Everybody thinks they got it covered. <laughs> yeah, I'll be fine. Yeah, yep, I'll just, be fine. I got this. Yeah, it's just scary. It kind of, scares me for that, you know, the people that are out there, you know, for their own health, but just even firearms. I mean, I think I tell people whenever we, I talk about firearms or even just active shooter in the gym, I'm like, I'm really nervous about other concealed carry holders just shooting me and just not having enough training and just getting amped up in that situation. I'm like, look, I'm prepared. I try to train as much as I can. I think I could be more prepared every day. But there's people out there just carrying a gun and they don't do crap. And I'm like, man, they got a little excited and I'm scared of getting shot. So I'm like, what am I doing to get the heck out just out of that scenario is a big mm-hmm. concern of, you know, what, what could happen? Just law enforcement showing up and you have a gun. I'm like, it was just, it's, you know, teenagers. I'm like, ooh, do you hear sirens? Like, I don't care. I think when I said to him, I said, I don't care if the guy, you just took that gun away from some big ball guys tattooed from tattooed from head to toe he's been doing steroids for 10 years 350 pounds if you have a gun and law enforcement roll up they're going to be pointing the gun at you i don't care what that looks like and i'm done i don't i hope i didn't offend anybody if your dad is 350 pounds i've been doing steroids and is jacked up i didn't want to offend anybody's dad here of course the kids are like a little touchy i'm like it's just a stereotype because that guy looks scary might be the sweetest guy in the world but Could law be. enforcement law enforcement is going to have the gun on you because you're holding the firearm in that situation i'm like you need to be putting that thing down making sure you know you're doing everything right because that's a big concern people are flagging guns all around yeah. the place you know like or putting their finger on the trigger after they take a gun away and crab my guy. I'm like, Oh, you got to get some training here. Let's think about this. Even if it's just in the gym, do not put your finger on the trigger here. You don't oh, need yeah. to taking the gun away. And now you accidentally squeeze off around cause you're all amped up and it's an innocent bystander. Yep. What yep. Thoughts? Well, you know, a couple, a couple of years ago, there was a shooting actually, I can't recall the city. I wish I could. Um, police officers had their gun trained on a guy um, who was pointing the same, literally the same situation that you're talking right now. Uh, they were telling him to drop the weapon, drop the weapon, drop the weapon. And uh, he didn't got himself shot twice. Um, he, he didn't pass away. And when, when asked, why didn't you drop the weapon? He said, 
that he was afraid that if he dropped it, that it was going to go off and shoot somebody. So again, if we double back to my earlier statement, most people um, got their information from movies, right? And yeah. anybody, who, anybody who trains with a firearm knows that you have to press the trigger for the gun to go bang, right? So, yeah. it, you know, ha- just having it means liter- literally nothing um, because you're, you're likely to get, have it used against you or to use it in, an, in, you know, in, a, in a wrong way and get yourself you know, hemmed up in jail or sued. And neither one of those two outcomes um, or dead, uh, I'm sorry, three outcomes are any good for your self-defense, right? Like you don't want to end yeah. up in prison. You have to think about self-defense 24 hours a day, right? You don't want to be sued until you're, you know, until you're poor and you have to give up everything. And, if, you know, of course you don't want to die because then you don't have, a, you know, your family can't uh, defend themselves without you. So yeah, yeah it's, uh, it's, it's such an interesting thing because like so many people believe in education, right? Like if I said, hey, you know, I want you to hire a, uh, a babysitter for your kid, right? You probably say something like, do they know CPR? Do they know first aid? Have they done any babysitter training? And I would say, well, this one has, this one has, and this one hasn't, right? Which one are you going to go for, right? The one that, that has had the training. But like, if you yeah. say, all right, so I want you to put this gun on your training, but like, why? All you got to do is take this thing and point it at a bad guy and shoot. Yeah. I got this. It's such an interesting, such an interesting thing. And yeah. I, I don't, I personally don't understand how that keeps going, um, you know, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm an absolutist when it comes to firearms and I think everybody should be able to own whatever they want. Uh, but I think training should be implied like when you're a kid, right? Like, like here, have us, have us, you know, learn, learn safety when you're a baby, you know, or when, the, when you first can pick up a gun, you should be learning these things. That way you have a healthy respect and uh, uh, knowledge of them. That way, if, you, if, even if you never decide to pick up a gun for self-defense or carry one, at least you're smart enough with it, or you, you're not, you know, you don't have this, you know, issue where you're going to probably shoot somebody. And then if you do decide to pick up a gun and start training with it, you've already got something, something behind you. Yeah. I think that was uh, when I, I was doing Taekwondo way back when, and my instructor used to teach kids, you know, weapon disarms, which, you know, I'm like, I'm questionable, like teenagers, middle school kids, you know, like the way this, the world is now, I, you know, we teach them weapon stuff and but mm-hmm. you know elementary school kids i remember one one class i the first one i kind of taught and did anything with weapons you know i got out his training pistols and i could see the moms are like oh no and i gave the kids the basic rundown because i i never liked uh, uh any of the weapon stuff that we did in, in taekwondo way back when and hapkido sure. stuff like this is uh, you're gonna crescent kick this thing are you kidding me i'm like <laughs> just firearms growing up hunting and my dad teaching me how to how to shoot at a young age and respecting it and proper firearm safety so i you know i teach the kids just you know gun safety 101 somebody's playing with a gun leave you know go find an adult ask them not to point at you and all this stuff. Um, and that was their lesson. I'm like, we don't play with guns. Somebody, a kid is playing with That's a gun. Great. And, you know, you're like, hey, check out my dad's gun. It's not loaded. You want to hold it? You're like, nope, I, I need to leave. I'm, you know, just calmly leave. Just like, hey, I got to go to the bathroom. I'm out of here. You know, go find an adult. Somebody's with sure. a kid. All those moms at the end of class are hugging me. They're like, oh, my yeah, gosh, they should be, so they should be giving you an award for doing that in class. And, you know, he's teaching them to do a crescent kick. And I'm going, how do I get around my instructor? 
in here teaching crescent kicks to elementary school kids to disarm. You know, I think it was crazy. And, you know, it's something I continue now. Like we don't, you know, they'll, they'll see the teenagers doing it. And I'm like, this is what we're talking about. We're talking about mm-hmm. firearm safety. You know, you guys get into the teenage bracket, then you guys will be training and learning those disarms. But right now, you're not. I mean, I've even had some parents. T- oh, I taught my kid to disarm. I'm like, oh, why? Like, they're yeah, a little why? kid. Why? why? Like, why? why teach them to disarm it? Like, teach them to calmly leave and don't. Because it's sexy. It's not, it's not sexy to teach them to run away. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Just, like, don't point at me. Go find an adult. Like, gosh, like, I'm like, what? why? Don't, please don't teach them my kid, my uh, weapon. Disarm. I have a real plan with the kids. Please stop trying to teach them <laughs> what you yep. learned in adult class or whatever it is of like watching a teen class and like, look at what my little kid can do. I'm like, Oh my gosh, they're not even my program yet. I'm like, it's not right. cool. And not at all. Not at all. They're I think that's, uh, that's scary. Know the difference. I'm like, they're just too little. Like they yep. need to be hammered on just basic stuff. It's like, what, Don't what, happens when that kid, what happens when that kid finds a gun and decides he wants to practice his disarms? Yeah. Right? And doesn't, doesn't know if it's loaded or empty. And you know, again, now they're practicing what I, there can be a million ugly things that, that go. but I'm with you. I, I agree. Teach them, teach them how to run and teach them how to talk to somebody and tell parents and, and, and that stuff. I think that's most important. That's very yeah. unique. A lot of uh, kids, martial arts programs will never touch that. We, 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 we teach some kids here. Not a lot. We don't really have much of a kids program. We do have some that come in to train. Um, and we, we've talked about gun safety and stuff like that. And uh, I think it's incredibly unique. That's not something that a lot of schools um, uh, will do. They'll, you know, they're happy to just teach sexy part of martial arts rather than the, the, you know, the, Hey, this is what we have to do as kids. Right. And, and I'm not surprised that the parents were stoked on you because, um, you know, they can't teach it themselves because they probably don't possess that knowledge. Um, so the fact that you were able to do that, that's, that's amazing. That, that another great thing I heard today. <laughs> yeah. And so many, you know, it's so hard to teach your own kids. Like, mm-hmm. I'm sure. You know, and they, they listen to other people like my wife and I, you know, owning a gym, my steps that he listens to his trainer for football way, way more than he does us. You know, <laughs> like, you know, it's like that parental role. It's, it is hard to, you know, get your kids to listen and having somebody out there, no matter what your background, it's they tend to, you know, look up to that person a lot more than they do their own mom and dad. It's, you know, it's a really hard role as a martial arts fitness professional to teach your own kids. It's sure. a hard thing. So, and it's not easy having a, a disruptive kid in the class. Never mind. I always tell people, Hey, I don't care if your, your kid is not my kid. If they're disruptive in class and they're behave, misbehave, that's fine with me. It's my own kids that drive me crazy when they were younger. <laughs> like I got lucky. My son and my daughter were pretty darn easy. My two stepsons really challenged me and pushed me um in class and it, it was a real challenge and you get mad like a parent of like oh my gosh <laughs> like yeah like, i'm out of here i'm going to the office like no you have to set out of class i'll be up in the office and the other kids are like what he's just leaving and i'm like no dude when you sit out you have to sit out like there is and that's where i think like they stopped doing it a lot because we're like look people are in our gym paying and you're just ruining the integrity of the class because you're like i'm out and it's ruining like now kids just yeah. think they can leave so it's a it's a hard thing to teach your kids so when people come in and we can pass on these things it's we know they're probably listening to us a lot more than they are mom and oh, dad 100 so, 
100%. The same thing here. So, hey, I want to take a quick uh, second to thank Prestige Labs. If you guys need supplements, they are great. Supplement your workouts. I know when I miss my supplements or I've done beta testing on Prestige Labs, when I'm off of it, I definitely feel like I don't have the energy for my workouts. They are fantastic. You can check them out at clearsky-online.com. Hit our nutrition. You'll get referred over to Prestige Labs. They've got some fantastic stuff, a pre-workout that you can add caffeine. And we were talking about coffee here with Pete. Um, if you don't need that extra caffeine, their pre-workout, you can add the caffeine to it. So fantastic stuff. Check that out at clearsky-online.com. So what? Um, tell me a little bit more about your weapons-based grappling program. Awesome. Um, so I actually first heard the term about eight years ago in San Antonio. It was actually at Rev Gear University. Um, I was at, they had an, an inaugural one, and I was, I was lucky enough to attend and train there, and I first heard it. Um, but truthfully, like, I played around with it when I came back. But uh, I was, it was kind of like nobody wanted to do it. It was like all my Krav Maga instructors were like, well, that's not Krav Maga. And I'm like, well, I know, but I want to try this. And, you know, so I kind of had to – I basically trained it little by little um, in, in secret until, uh, until recently I, uh, I, I saw a meme. <laughs> this, is, this is how I got into weapons-based grappling was off <laughs> of a meme. I, I kid you not. Uh, I saw a meme, and it said uh, something I had been thinking, but I couldn't put into words but it was perfect. It said, don't be a gunfighter, be a fighter with a gun. And I had a guy pointing and yelling, right? You may have yeah. seen this. So I did some research and I, I ended up finding out that the guy on the meme uh, was Todd Fossey. And uh, he, I found out he owned a company uh, or training program called Integrative Defensive Strategies. And I, I did some research and found out that a couple of my colleagues in the Krav Maga school world, um, had already trained with him. So I reached out to them. I said, Hey, you know, what's this program about? And you know, they were like, Pete, it's right up your alley. If you're a gun guy and you train combatives and you train this, um, right up your alley, you're going to love it. So I, I flew out to uh, Minnesota and trained in his uh, level one instructor certification. And, and John, um, it was a red pill moment for me. And I, I hope uh, Todd gets to listen to this podcast. I'm going to send it to him because like he, it was, it was like, here, blue pill, everything stays the same. Red pill, your life won't be the same again. And, and I took the red pill and it was, it was everything. And, and, and now I learned so much about um, weapons-based grappling. It, it wasn't jujitsu with a gun. Um, and that's what I thought it was. It was like, oh, we're just going to roll with weapons. And, and it was so much more than that. Um, you'll, you'll see the diagram if you saw like on my, on, my face, on my Instagram page of the integrative defensive strategies diagram. It was so much. Um, a lot of, you know, decision-making, cognitive learning, um, you know, stress drills, combatives, you name it. It was this big thing. And, and the way Todd taught it was amazing. And his lectures, and we kind of talked a little bit in Vegas about some of the stats and stuff that, that all was put together, uh, by Todd for me through our instructor portal. Um, and, and basically as soon as I, I left that certification, I bought my cert pistol while I was still on the plane, um, to come back to Michigan and actually Todd messaged us and said, Hey guys, don't buy your guns yet. You get a discount because you're instructors now. And I was like, Hey man, I don't care. I was so, I was so stoked. I was yeah. like, I bought it anyway. So I, I got home and immediately got with my, um, 
my jujitsu instructor, Izzy Curtis, she's the owner of uh, New Way Martial Arts. And we just started repping and rolling and repping and rolling and repping and rolling and failing and repping and rolling. And we started seeing like how important the weapons-based grappling was. And, you know, it's really cool to go and train with people who don't want to make you look good. Um, yeah. And, and they, you know, again, I went, I, you know, New Way Martial Arts is only five doors down from me. I can walk there. Um, so, you know, going there and having people who don't want to make me look good, matter of fact, want to make me fail, um, you know, would, was, was, was like me leveling up. And, and I immediately fell in love with it. Now I'm doing it pretty much every single day, teaching it every single day here in my IDS classes. And we're seeing some really amazing things with it. Um, we have people who've never picked up a gun. Uh, they're training and they're doing force on force events and completely destroying people who've been shooting at these, at the, at the regular, you know, handgun one, handgun two classes, you know, that the old school way of teaching firearms, they've been doing it. And then people come in and do this integrative defensive class. They're drawing a gun, you know, hundreds of times per class. They're moving, they're shooting, they're making decisions. And then when they come time to a force on force, they are, they're rock stars. And, and, and I get to, I get to see this all happen. And I, I report back to my instructor, Todd. Um, and, and we kind of, you know, I tell him, Hey, this is what's going on. This is how it's working out. This is, it's not working out. And we get to feed off each other. And, uh, I've since went through another two of his uh, instructor certifications um, to do force on force and more weapons-based grappling. So it's uh, it's been an interesting um, program and I, I really don't think I would be where I'm at without it right now. I think it's been, it's kind of like the most unique thing I've seen and we're the only school in Michigan right now that's offering it. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. You had some great facts that you, you offered um, at the trial by firearms and one actually, that I've been using just to try to get people to do more combatives. Like sometimes I'll do a drill where I want you to count the number of combatives you do in your self-defense or whatever it is. Um, I've been using your, you know, it takes three to five rounds to put somebody down with a firearm. Is that true? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Three to five. So I've been saying to my students, I'm like, so I've been seeing about three punches or kicks. Like how many punches or kicks do you think it's going to take to put a determined attacker down if it takes three to five rounds on somebody? And they're like, yeah, Whoa. okay. Maybe this counting to 10 drill has some benefit. You know, I'm like, count to 15. Yeah. You know, have your partner, you know, make a little bit more dynamic. Try to clinch you up, whatever it may be, you know, attack you with a 360 or a straight punch. You know, it it's going to take some punches to put somebody down. I think that's, I, you know, go back to my Taekwondo days when you're like, I'm going to do step one, two, and three, and they're going to be crying on the ground right. and you're going to break their right. arm. You know, Krav Maga, I think we can get into the same habit. I'm like, you guys aren't throwing enough combatives here. I mean, like you're throwing two or three on average watching you guys train. I mean, let's not get too carried away in our training, but let's throw some 10, 15 strikes here. Use your tools in your toolbox. So that's kind of woken some people up. So I really have you know, thank you for that fact of anything you can kind of bring back to your students and whether it's the same thing or just change it up and get people to open their eyes in a different way after, you know, doing Absolutely. different deals with people. I kind of, that one's definitely opening some eyes of like, oh yeah, gosh, I just threw two punches. I'm like, yeah, it's not going to stop somebody. 
I think I think as martial artists, we tend to overestimate our striking abilities. Uh, yeah. And uh, being being somebody who enjoys numbers and taking holistic approaches um, to to fighting, I think the number was sixty five percent of uh, some of the highest level UFC fighters uh, would land sixty five of like significant strikes, right, and still not put the guy down, right. And these are like elite dudes, right. Yeah. And right. and again, now imagine like imagine like one of them attacking you in the parking lot right one or two punches they're 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 gonna laugh um i i often will tell people there's a, a story of me um when i first started brazilian jiu-jitsu i was at another academy that I, i'm not at now and uh the the mma fighter who owned the place he uh he didn't like kramaga very much and uh to get my first stripe i guess he wanted to attack me with a knife and uh i did 360 and i, I socked him in the head one time. And I, 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 I'm a boxer. I come from boxing roots. I, I compete in boxing and I, I can send a pretty good punch people would say, and he ate it and just kept going. Yeah. Till I, till I, till I wrapped up his arm as hard as I could and didn't let him stab me. And then I just had to basically grapple my way out of this so I can get some space so that I could run. Because again, I might be able to hit you and I might land it, Right. If I land on a perfect spot, maybe on somebody who's not expecting it. But like, you know, the, what I truly believe is you only get knocked out by the punch you don't see coming. So yeah. if like you're, you're trying to stab me with a knife, you are you're dialed in in violence. Right. Like the one punch, you know, might not go. I might have to sense, you know, three or four and, and a knee strike while you're dealing with the knee strike. Right. Then I might have to clip you in the chin to, to finish you off. But um, yeah, in the, I think in the martial arts world, we tend to think it's like, bam, I'm going to hit him. And he's, he's a now cloud of dust. And uh, you know, I've come to learn through fighting and competitive fighting that uh, you can hit a guy with everything in the kitchen sink. Um, and sometimes they just don't fall. Yeah. It's like back to the movies. <laughs> oh man. I, I, and again, I thought that would be great. Like if I just sidekicked the dude and like he would fall through a roof, like crazy, but like some people just don't fall. And the human body is such an incredible thing that it can take a, a, a huge amount of punishment and abuse. And just like you said earlier, if it can take three to five shots uh, with a nine millimeter uh, or a 40 cal, it shouldn't I be able should, you know, my punches aren't no 40 cal. Right? Yeah. Like, um, I was, yeah. uh, saying uh i've got to get uh, john whitman on the podcast but one of the first trial by fires we were in a shoot house and remember coming up the stairs you know you're looking around i think at this point they had we were you had a firearm sometimes you didn't or you had a um, training pistol um simunitions and they would take it off of you and i didn't have it on and so you're like okay is somebody going to come at me with a gun kind of crowd my style threaten me with a gun come up behind me and um, turns out it was Whitman comes out um, out of a room had to be 25 feet. I mean, it, it was a decent sized room. He comes charging at me and I'm like, sidekick. And I'm in a rear naked choke. You know, you're like, it happens so fast. Like the moment I like recognize somebody, you're like sidekick and you're on your ass and you're trying to escape a rear naked choke. Yeah. Um, you know, that was a, that was a great day. You know, it was good. I mean, and then I quickly realized it was Whitman that was showing. I'm like, God, yeah, my kid. I think he's a purple belt now in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu too. Yeah. Well, I'm glad it wasn't now because that was, uh, that was God, it's gotta be, you know, eight, 10 years ago, probably. I don't know when he oh, did that. Wow. So I'm like, 
you know, it just, those things happen so fast, you know, and you think one thing and, and they're still standing or they, you didn't even get it off. You didn't even get your weapon deployed and then whatever it was. And now you're in a whole different fight. So it's all about training and, you know, having contingencies and training and being integrative, right? Yeah. That's what, you know, drew me to Krav Maga, just being well-rounded. You know, I'm not a big, I don't want to specialize in anything, but you got to be well-rounded. You can't just say, well, I'm going to do this. It's, you know, as great as BJJ is like, well, what are you going to do when somebody's got a gun or a knife? You know, that those street scenarios are different than competition-based grappling. That's what intrigues me about the weapons-based grappling program with you, that, you know, I'm not interested in getting into a competition. I want to train, you know, my precious training time, which we, you know, where you want to devote it and what points you are at your life. I'm like, I just want to be pure self-defense kind of fighting sure. stuff. And that's where I'm at. I respect anybody that, you know, has enough time. Sometimes people I'm like, I don't have enough time as a school owner to compete, even when I was younger to, you know, really dedicate that time um, out of the day. But, you know, I think training time, like we talk about is so precious and people don't have enough time. I'm like, you got to find a system that's going to work for you. But that's where, I you know, I kind of go to of like, what are you going to do? Because I feel rusty against knife all the time. You know, and I train it all the time. You're in a system, you know, hopefully it's kind of like kind of the movies like, well, hopefully all you need is that, you know, karate kick to the groin and you can, you know, they're going to be on the ground crying. But <laughs> what if you need more than that? And I think being a well-rounded fighter is what you need to be if you really want to be safe. I agree. I'll I agree. I mean, if, uh, if MMA fighters are training so much to, you know, to to make a fight happen that they know when it's going to happen who they're going to fight, which weight class, the ref is going to be there, what date, they have all this information, we get nothing, right? We get no indication when it's going to happen, who's going to be by, likely it's going to be by, you know, more people, 56.6%, remember, more than one attacker. Um, so I think uh, you just got to train as much as you possibly can. If you can fit, like we said earlier, a little bit every day, I think you'll be kosher. Yeah, I think, you know, um, Actually, I don't know if, you, and I'm going to totally blank on the guy's name. It had to be in the, you know, maybe mid to late 90s, possibly, maybe early 2000s. I, um, he was a Thai boxer. Somebody bumped his car, hit his car in the parking lot, and they, you know, probably had roll up doors or something. He chases the guy down to a stop sign or red light, bangs on the door. And of course, you know, he looks like a Thai boxer, probably had his gloves on, I think was the story. Mm -hmm. And the guy just took a look at him and drew his pistol and shot him. Yep. The guy was running away from another murder. I remember the story. Yeah. Do you? Okay. Yeah. You might know it. Remember it better yep. than I do. And you're yep, like, yep. just that basic self-defense awareness of what you're looking like, you know, that's. Mm -hmm. you know, or, like, or if we double back and go, Hey, did you have to chase him? Yeah. Right. Like you need to, you like call your insurance company. Was it worth it? You know, it's all those where you're, you know, you get pissed, you get, you know, I'm going to chase, you're going to get this guy's info or even if he was totally legit, like I just, you know, want to get his license plate. You know, you're putting yourself right. in a bad situation where you might not need to. I mean, I think people do that, you know, all the time. I mean, so many I think, people. I think ahead. people don't have a clear mission statement and what they do every day, right? Like I, 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 I have a clear mission statement every single day. I want to make sure I get home and enjoy uh, life at my house. That's, that's really, 
that and anything that's going to stop that i'll do my best to avoid even a fight right like you'll never see me in road rage right if i if somebody pisses me off on the side of the road but i didn't get into an accident i'm okay have a good one because yeah. uh, regardless of fighting right like I, even if I get out of my car and this guy gets out of his car, I tune this guy up, right? And he's on the floor. We call police. That's going to be three to five hours, six hours, seven hours, eight hours. I might have to go to jail for the night. I can't yeah. go home that night now and enjoy a good shot of expensive tequila uh, before I, I uh, you know, watch my favorite yeah. TV show. So if you don't have a clear mission statement or like what it is you want to do at the end of every single night, I think it's easy to get pulled into bad self-defense situations. You can just usually walk away and uh not have to deal with it right like just yeah just walk you know. away and if you can diffuse that you know de-escalate i think mm-hmm. constantly on my students of like couldn't you have just de-escalated that situation krav maga is not always the answer like you can make plenty of instructor jokes and you're like sure. i wish i could solve all my problems you know by just punching somebody but that's not how the world works you can't just haul off and punch people and it's not Definitely always not the right scenario you know i mean so many times i run a scenario um that i said like it's you pete walking out of your house it's you this is not no what ifs and i confront the person and i said you were touching my kid and i'm like now like the beginning of the scenario you're you so this is no made up stuff here you're you you know you didn't touch anybody's kid and that's Mm -hmm. how i lead off the scenario the amount of students that try to disarm the gun when I'm like, usually I'm like, the cops are coming, the cops are coming. And we get some other guys in the gym and their neighbors. And I'm like, no, I'm fine. This guy's just going to jail. When the cops get here, I called the cops. Cops are coming. You know, usually I'll hold them back. They're like, they're going to like, they generally a lot of sometimes will get in my face or kind of try to get closer to do the disarm. And I'm like, back up, you're going to the jail, you're going to jail. People like, you know, hey, don't, you know, don't put the gun, you know, get people playing different scenarios. Sure, sure. And I've run it to the point where, oh, here come the sirens. The cops are getting out of the car. You get, you you know, you know, point the gun at them and they will go for the disarm when we've made the scenario like law enforcement is here. Right. Why did you decide to go for the gun right then? If at all, like I was never really threatening to you. I never said I was going to kill you. I just said, you touched my kid and you're going to jail. Why did you decide to do Krav Maga in that situation? Why don't you just let the courts figure it out? You know, you didn't touch my kid and you should, right. you know, at least I'm like, did you touch my kid? Do we have a problem here? You know, I'll get a, you know, joke around with them a little bit as an instructor, but sure, it's, sure. it's yeah, you know, I mean, a scenario. I'm like, you didn't touch anybody's kid. What What's the point of even doing that disarm? Like, it's right. not worth it. Like, talk, why talk your way down? Disarm? Yeah. You know, I'm like half the time, if not three quarters of the scenario, the gun was never pointed at you. Yeah. See, why did you try to do Krav Maga at that point when you could have de-escalated it or just calm the guy down? I I think that's, you know, I think sometimes overlooked in, you know, in our training that, you know, let's work some de-escalation skills here. I think it's, uh, I think it's overlooked the majority of times. Um, I, I can, I can give you 10, 15 schools right now that, have never worked any de-escalation, no verbal judo. Uh, I, I, you know, for me, self-defense is a really broad term. Um, I, I tell my students here all the time, uh, self-defense happens before you fight. 
Um, it doesn't matter the system that you train in. When you put your hands on somebody or somebody puts their hands on you, you are in a fight. Like it could be called Krav Maga. It could be called jujitsu. It can be called Aikido or Taekwondo. You are fighting somebody and whatever system it is that happens is what's happening. But self-defense happens before. That's the, that's the not being there. That's the learning how to talk my way out, how to, you know, have a little empathy, right? You know, is, is the guy that's in my face, you know, a bad guy or is he a good guy having a bad day? Right. Could I, could I talk this guy down and be like, Hey man, you know, dude, I, I'm sorry. I, I didn't mean to take your parking spot. How about I'll move your car? Or how about I move my car and you take it? It's all yours, bro. Right. Yeah. Or, you know, I didn't mean to look at her like that. She looked like some girl that I went to school with. Can I just buy you a beer and, uh, and we'll be good. Cool. It's really that simple. Most, most yeah, life can be avoided if we can just shut, shut the little monkey in our head up and just, just be okay with, uh, you know, walking away out of strength and not out of weakness. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree with you there. If you can just walk away, like check that ego and, you know, I'll buy you a beer. Let me buy you a drink. Hey, I'm sorry. Like all that is, you know, similar stuff to stuff I say, like, it's just much better than getting into a fight. It's not worth it. Now you're just going to hassle your day. You're going to talk to yep. law enforcement. You're going to be probably getting a lawyer. Who knows what? I mean, it's just not worth again, it. And again, some people think of this is true. Um, you know, especially when they're with their, their significant others. Um, I know, um, you know, my wife would think I'm a dummy if I decided to fight somebody in a parking lot over them calling her a bitch, right? Like she'd be like, are you, are you kidding me? You're going to fight this guy right now. She knows that'd be silly, right? She knows that I don't like, she'd be happier. Like if we just went home and had a shot of tequila and watched our favorite TV show. Right. Yeah, and, and me just, you know, walking away out of strength or running away out of yeah. strength rather than weakness is kind of what, what we preach here. Get out of there. Yeah. Right. Don't be there. It's your best option. Yeah. One uh, guy, I used to train with, uh, I forget what president, I uh, believe said, you know, quote, you know, don't um, mistake my kindness for weakness. You know, yeah. I'm like, I can be kind, but don't, you know, it doesn't mean I'm not a strong person. And I think a lot of guys, you know, can't, you know, suck that up sometimes and they just get pissed off and can't control their emotions. And I think, you, you know, that's something you should be able to control in those situations because, you know, guys do dumb stuff all the time and, it's not worth it, especially when I you're talking about firearms, knives, and punches. None of that is a great day. So. I, think, uh, I think the most legitimately dangerous people on the planet are often the kindest. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, I would say, like, if people knew how to train, people would be nicer and to everybody around because mm -hmm. the people I know that are dangerous are the nicest people in the world. Like, so. it's, uh, you know, when, when you, when you, especially the ones who've been violent. You know, they, they hate violence. I, I told you guys in class, I absolutely despise violence. Yeah. Uh, so what's the point of doing it if I don't absolutely have to, um, to save my life for the life of a precious loved one or somebody else? Um, better to be kind and, and be empathetic and, uh, you know, just have a, a clear mission statement and never have to fight, but have the skill sets just in case the worst day of your life happens. Uh, be ready to go and then shut the switch off as soon as you're done and safe. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think both of us could uh, talk forever on this. Um, yeah. It's a good spot to wrap it up. I know I'd love to have you on again, or maybe we have you on after you uh, come out here and visit us in March. But um, cheers. Love talking to you. I really appreciate your time. Um, I will get those links out to you so you can share them with your community. I think they'd love to you know, hear you and your Thank point you. of view. It's always 
interesting to hear your instructor um, getting in, interviewed by another instructor and other. Right. Points oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, so. uh, it was a pleasure having you on. I appreciate your time and look forward to talking to you soon. And I appreciate your time, John. Thank you very much. Uh, doing something like this is really, really cool for me. So uh, cool. having uh, have, being, being able to do it with you is, 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 is awesome. And I'm pretty stoked about it. So and I'm really stoked yeah. to come out there in March to to work with your people. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I know I've got some other things I jotted down that I wanted to ask you. So we'll definitely get you back on. I think you're right on a lot of information. You're a great guest and I will talk to you soon. Cheers, brother. Thank you very much. Yeah, cheers. You too. Have a good one. Be well. Yeah, you too. All right, everybody. Thanks again for watching or in listening to the John Hallett podcast. One again, thank all our sponsors, revgear.com. You can use the code JH podcast to get 10% off. If you're in Douglas County, stop into Rocky Mountain Self-Defense and Fitness to get 15% off. If you're looking for gear, whether it be a new training t-shirt, you can check out clearsky-online.com for all our gear and our supplement line, Prestige Labs. They're a fantastic partner. If you click the link in ClearSky, it's going to bring you right to the Prestige Labs site where you're going to get our affiliate discounts. So you're going to save right there. No coupon code needed. And if you're looking for self-defense in the Douglas County area, check out Rocky Mountain Self-Defense and Fitness. We are beginner friendly. We love helping beginners. So if you have a family member that is in need of bully proofing, we've got a great kids program as well as our Project Fit Strength and Conditioning class. So if you need self-defense or fitness, check out rmsdf.com. Rev Gear, Prestige Labs, and Clear Sky hyphen online. Thank you guys very much. This has been the John Hallett Podcast. I appreciate you guys tuning in and taking the time out of your day. We will talk to you guys soon.